welcome to the North Pole as I get rid of this overlay off my face. There we go. And welcome to the North Pole. This is the new podcast slash Facebook live show with me, Gabe Flayton, Minnesota Vikings super fan. I've been on the review and preview show plenty of times now for any uh, recurring watchers to know. And this is going to be a new show, just focusing in, honing in on the NFC North, which is one of the best divisions in football over the last decade. Uh, not a lot of people will argue with that. They have, they've had tons of talent come through this division over the years. Calvin Johnson and Adrian Peterson, Chicago Bears have had Khalil Mack, Brian Urlacher, tons of guys through this division over the years. Now, for nobody, anybody who doesn't know me yet, um, a little introduction about me. As for uh, all right, and excuse me, I'm Gabe Flayton. I'm a recent University at Albany political science graduate. Uh, I'm currently unemployed. For anybody who's wondering, and <laughs> working on that, looking for jobs. But in the time being, I'm doing this as a in my, uh, to pass the time, really enjoying so far researching, prepping for the show. Uh, it's going to be every Tuesday from six to seven o'clock. And for those who aren't NFC North fans, I will try to make this show as fun as possible for anybody watching. It might not benefit you if you're a Giants fan. It might not benefit you if you're a Chargers fan. But if you are a fan of football, if you play fantasy football, if you're favorite team is playing one of these teams any week this this show could help you learn more about matchups about players their health status who do it what to expect from them in coming weeks uh this show could benefit a lot of different people i'll try to make it i'll try to reach out to as many different people but for those lions bears packers and vikings fans out there this is totally going to be up your alley you should be loving this show and hopefully excuse that phone in the background. Uh, hopefully this show will get some of those guests on today. I'm having Kevin O'Brien come on longtime Packers fan and one of my best friends next door neighbor. Sorry about the phones going off in the background right now. Um, <laughs> uh, try to get through that. It's, it's going to be fun. He's going to come on and talk about the Packers this year. Uh, they're expected to have another great year. Last year's uh, NFC North standings were Green Bay at the top, thirteen and three. Vikings at two, they went ten and six. I'm so sorry about the phones, by the way. I don't even know how to turn them off. These landlines. Uh, I think that's it. Okay, good. It's going to be um, right now. I'm going to go through each team. Like I said, the Vikings were ten and six. Bears were eight and eight, and then the Lions. Rounded out the division last year after starting the year 2-0-1 with a tie to the Cardinals week one. The Lions are the were the biggest loser last year. So I'm going to start with them in my NFC North preview of 2020. So let's go to Detroit. Coached by Matt Pat- Patricia. Offensive coordinator is long. Uh, he was offensive coordinator. Daryl Bevel. Big time offensive coordinator. He was with the Vikings for many years during their spree of uh, victory with Brett Favre, if anybody remembers that, 2009, going to the NFC Championship. Daryl Bevel loves that West Coast offense, throwing the ball, slinging it, loves to have a lot of receivers, uh, and that's what the Lions expect from this year. Uh, They're returning their receiving core, for the most part. Uh, You have Marvin Jones Jr., who is entering the last year of his contract. He'll be 31 after this year. You have... Uh, Mar- uh, Kenny Galladay, who was awesome if you had him on your fantasy team last year. Kenny, Kenny Galladay is a guy that has all the traits of a great wide receiver. And when Matt Stafford was in last year, he was explosive. First down on a lot of plays, Matt Stafford, you could see him airing it out deep to Kenny Galladay down the sideline. Flea flickers against the Packers to start the game on Monday Night Football. And Kennedy, Kenny Galladay is a guy that if you're a fantasy football owner, I'll be talking about him all year. Feel free to tune into my show, and I'll talk a lot about the receiving core of, of the Lions. 
a lot of people talk about is Matt Stafford a good fantasy option, and it's all dependent upon how his receivers do. If Kenny, if Kenny Galladay, excuse me, stays healthy, I think we're looking at a good four thousand yard passing season for Stafford, and certainly going to be getting a lot of touchdowns thrown Galladay's way. Then on the other side, you have T.J. Hawkinson, tight end. He's a guy who had thirty-two catches, two hundred sixty-seven yards last year. Not great numbers. Excuse me, I think it was 367 yards and two touchdowns. TJ Hawkinson was a first-round pick. And what makes really no sense, and I'm not a Lion an all-time, I'm not a lifelong Lions fan, and most fans of the Lions probably don't even remember that the Lions have drafted three tight ends over the last 11 years. And <laughs> five years apart, 2009, Brandon Pettigrew, you had 2014 uh, with Eric Ebron, and now 2019, TJ Hawkinson, all drafted in the first round in the top 10, except for Brandon Pettigrew, who was drafted at 20th. So the Lions have gone big on tight ends, and for the most part, they haven't succeeded. And TJ Hawkinson is really their last hope at that position. If they don't get TJ Hawkinson uh, improved this year, and I, I do believe Hawkinson will have a much better year, especially with a healthy Stafford, then I don't expect the Lions to draft another tight end in the first round for the next 30 years. But hopefully for Lions fans, a lot of them are expecting TJ Hawkinson to uh, improve. And I put him on my fantasy team. I drafted him. I expect him to get a lot more targets this year uh, because the Lions are going to be throwing the ball. They, They really know their identity as an offense, and they've had the same identity. Unlike the Vikings... Unlike the Bears and even unlike the Packers who are starting to change their identity over the last 10 years, the, the Detroit Lions identity has stayed true. They are a throwing team. As long as Matt Stafford is there, they're going to put all the weapons he needs to succeed. And that was seen this past offseason. They extended their left tackle, Taylor Decker, who they drafted a couple years ago. They gave him a massive 60 $70 million extension. And now you have on the other side at right tackle. I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this name, but it's Halapulivati Vatai from the Eagles. Didn't want to have to say that over the air, but that's a tough one. And he's actually was a backup on the Eagles last year, backing up Lane Johnson. And now they gave him a five-year $50 million contract at 27 years old. They're expecting him to fill right in at right tackle after they lost Rick Wagner uh, to, the, I believe, the Packers. And they also lost their guard, Graham Glasgow, who's another uh, somewhat of a bad loss for them on the offensive line. But offensive line-wise, this is a team that could have the second, maybe even first best offensive line in the NFC North. I really expect the Lions to protect Stafford well this year. So for any staff and fantasy owners, expect him to have a healthy year. He's excited to get the year going. And I expect the Lions to return to form offensively. Remember now, weeks one through five last year, they were lighting it up on offense. They put up over 30 points against the Chiefs. They had a great showing against the Vikings in a loss, 42-30. to 30. Uh, They beat the Eagles. And there was a lot of hype in the beginning of the season, the way Matt Stafford was playing. Um on pace to throw over 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns until he got injured. So Matt Stafford, if he didn't get hurt last year, that 3-12-1 record would have looked a lot different for Detroit. And I think they're going to give a lot of teams trouble. Now let's go to their defense. Detroit has never been a team that took pride in their defense. Draft-wise, just from 2000 to 2010, they had only used one first-round draft pick on a defensive player, and that was Ernie Sims, who was a linebacker that turned out to be really good. But throughout that span, they had only, they obviously drafted a ton of defensive guys in the second round. None of them panned out. I, I actually researched all of their careers. All of their careers ended up being really badly, except for one guy in that 2000 to 2010 span, and that was Sean Rogers' defensive tackle. Only guy during that span that they drafted that became a pro bowler. So we're talking about a franchise that does not draft well at defense. Their last big-time prospect they drafted defensively was Ezekiel Ansah, 
who really did not pan out to be all that great. He did re-sign with them, but then he's gone now, and he never really amounted to that elite pass rusher they wanted. And pass rushing for Detroit is going to be somewhat mediocre this year. They signed Jamie Collins uh, from the Patriots. I think he played for the, the Browns this past year, but most people know Jamie Collins from the Patriots, and most people would know that, or most football fans would know that Matt Patricia, their coach, coached Jamie Collins as a defensive coordinator in New England. They expect Jamie Collins to produce, but this is a team that isn't on track right now to win or go to the playoffs this year even. And signing Jamie Collins to a three-year, $30 million contract in his 30th year of life, uh, it's a bit of a stretch. And I mean, a lot of these guys that they're signing, like Danny Shelton, uh, another Cleveland player that Matt Patricia likes, uh, he's 27, and they just gave him a multi-year extension. Uh, there's a lot of players that are aging on this defense, and they lost Darius Slay, of course, who was also in the prime of his career that they just couldn't re-sign, and that was a guy that they drafted. So Lions are drafting guys, and the ones that are good aren't getting re-signed. If you remember Kyle Van Noy from the Patriots, who's now a Dolphin, he had an he was drafted by the Lions years ago, and Kyle Van Noy got traded right after the draft. Another guy that actually turned out to be an awesome pass rusher that the Lions missed out on. So the Lions have really, really done a lot of damage to themselves through the draft, and that's what I've gathered as I've been following this this team uh, for such a short amount of time. I don't want to take any uh, credit away from them, but I – my first impression of this team is that they've just completely focused on their offense and then settled defensively, similar to what the Giants have done in the recent years, where they've picked up a lot of guys off the free agency for their defense while drafting primarily to benefit their offense and try to try to uh, bring back that offensive firepower they used to have. Another uh, notable player that the Lions are bringing back is Trey Flowers. He's a defensive end, good pass rusher, had seven sacks last year, probably not the number that they're looking for considering he's getting paid a five-year, $90 million contract. Trey Flowers is making a lot of money and spending is great if you're a team that wants to win and has cap space, but spending it uh, unwisely like the Lions have, just giving players that are Outside of their primes, that much money, five years, $90 million for Trey Flowers. If he doesn't get over send sacks, then this is absolutely going to be a waste of money. And they're going to have to find a way to restructure it. Other uh, players that are coming back for the Lions, or I should say new additions, uh, is DeAndre Swift and Jeff Okuda. Now the Lions drafted these two guys first and second round. Jeff Okuda has tons of potential for this defense. It's going to give them that replacement that they're going to need now that Darius Slay is gone. And you're in a division that has great receivers, maybe not great receiving cores, but great first option receivers. We're talking Adam Thielen on Minnesota. We're talking Allen Robinson in Chicago and then Devontae Adams in Green Bay. That's a tall task for a first year cornerback in the NFL, but he's seen talent before. Coming from Ohio State, most critics said this guy will play immediately and he will play really well. So I expect Jeff Okuda to be their best secondary player right off the bat, and that's what they're going to need. This is a team that has a pretty good defensive line. They did lose uh, Snacks Harrison. Most Giants fans would remember him. And... He got cut off of after a one-year, $11 million contract. He just didn't pan out last year like they wanted him to. But it's smart on their part. Get rid of – you have to trim the older guys off this roster. They have to start becoming more of a team like the Dolphins where they're admitting defeat, where they scrap their team and just get draft picks. But when you have Matt Stafford and you're pressured by a team that has an elite quarterback, you want to put out that winning product right now. And I think the Lions have fallen uh, prey, really, to their own uh, team, and that's Matt Stafford. I think he's held them down in a lot of respects. But I will show you now um, 
my projections for their season. And I will do that through screen sharing. I'll bring that up right now and show you what I have for their roster um, or for their season schedule in just a moment as I pull that up on my screen. There it is. And I'm pulling that up. Sorry, that was the Bears. This is my Bears projections, Packers projections. Don't look at that just yet. You'll see that later. And then you you have here the Lions projections. Um, so I have the Lions here. They actually have a ridiculously challenging schedule, and the NFC North does have a hard schedule this year. They have to play the NFC North, uh, the NFC South, excuse me. But the Lions just look at their schedule. The first first like eight first nine weeks really is going to be incredibly challenging. I chalked them up with a win versus the Bears. Uh, just because I think Matt Stafford and his receiving core are going to come on strong in that first game, catch Chicago by surprise, just kind of like how the Lions started last year. Uh, I think they're going to beat Arizona this time, but they're really going to struggle to find wins. Of course, you're going to find wins versus the Washington football team. The Panthers is going to be a close game, but really all around, this is a schedule that is incredibly hard. Uh, those Last four games in their schedule, Green Bay, Tennessee, Tampa Bay, and Minnesota. And then I should say week 12 as well with with Houston. That's quite a stretch they're going to have to overcome. And I just don't expect them to really really recover that well and make it that far through the year. So let's move on now that we've gotten Detroit. I projected their season 6-10, so... I hope that doesn't offend any Lions fans, but let's move on now to the Chicago Bears. As I pull up the Chicago Bears banner, let's talk some Bears football. And don't forget, at 940, I have Packers superfan Kevin O'Brien joining the show, 640. Uh, I'm excited for that. 23 more minutes. We just have to get through the Bears and the Vikings before that. Uh Going to Chicago. Let's see what we got here. So Chicago is really, really fell off since 2018. Let's just think about this. You know, in 2018, the Bears were 12 and four. I mean, they were cream of the crop in the NFL. And this was just two years ago. Uh, They had the third best yards per game allowed. They were only allowing 299 yards a game. And they had the number one rush defense. They only allowed 80 yards per game rushing that year. Uh, And they were number one in points allowed. They only allowed 17 and a half points a game. So this was a defense that was dominant. They were, they essentially, I remember watching them in 2018. They championed that photo shoot in the end zone off interceptions and turnovers. They were turning other teams over at an incredible rate with Khalil Mack Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller. Uh, It was really fun to watch there in Chicago. And what happened, just what happened in 2019 where they fell off? Well, running the ball wasn't the same, that's for sure, on offense. With uh, the loss of Jordan Howard between 2018 and 2019, Jordan Howard had been their star running back for a few years, and now he finally found his way to Miami. Uh, they, they didn't run the ball well at all last year. They were 27th in the league. David Montgomery did not pan out as well as they hoped. Hopefully for them, he gets healthy soon this year because Tariq Cohen has never rushed the ball more than 75 times in a season. He's not a guy you're going to give it to on first and second down in the I formation. He can't go in between the tackles. He's somebody who makes plays in open space, but in order to get plays in open space, There's going to have to be some sort of element in between the tackles that the Bears can threaten other teams with. So expect the Bears to have to sign a running back or put another running back in on first and second down on their roster uh, to give Tariq Cohen the ability to do what Tariq Cohen does well, and that's catch the ball out of the backfield. He's done that over 70 times. He's caught the ball over 70 times the past two years. Actually, in 2018, that year was insane. Yards per touch. Tariq Cohen had seven yards per touch. He, every time he touched the ball, something good happened. 
So give Tariq Cohen the ball this year, but don't give him the ball on a check down on, on first and 10 or on third and 10. That's not the way he works. He's a guy who definitely needs a good offense because he's a really is just a supplementary player, a complimentary player on that team. What else happened? 2019. What went wrong? Mitch Trubisky went wrong and he had an awful season. They were 25th in passing offense. And now that they signed Nick Foles, it gave him a little bit, I would hope, of a poke in the back to get his act together. Now entering his fourth season in the NFL, he's somebody who has to have a good year this year for Chicago to succeed. They have good receivers. They have uh, Allen Robinson, the second, who's one of the, in my opinion, he's a top 10 receiver in the league. And if you gave him a better quarterback, he would be putting up quite possibly Michael Thomas reception numbers. He caught the ball 98 times last year from Trubisky and Trubisky is not the most accurate quarterback. Allen Robinson is a great pass catcher, great route runner. And he's gotten, uh, he's played with awful quarterbacks his entire career. His best season, Allen Robinson, he had 80 catches for over 1400 yards and 14 touchdowns from Blake Bortles. This is a guy who doesn't need a star quarterback to do what he wants to do. So I really expect Allen Robinson to be a, a nightmare for corners to guard in this division, especially for a team like Minnesota that doesn't have an experienced corner. I could see the Bears tripping up the Vikings a lot through the passing game this year uh, with, with a lack of secondary help from Minnesota on the edges. Uh, aside from, you know, the... Allen Robinson, and then you have Anthony Miller, who's not a bad option at the second uh, receiver slot. You also have the addition of Jimmy Graham. And now Jimmy Graham has had a really rough past couple seasons with Green Bay. He had only two touchdowns last year, three touchdowns the year before. Has uh, registered really career lows in every every statistic since joining the Packers a few years ago from the Seahawks. He has not found his former self. He's not going to return to form like he was on the early days of Seattle and, and New Orleans. Jimmy Graham is not going to give them much help at tight end. So with a team that lacks a really good running back, a team that lacks an elite offensive line, and a team that lacks an elite quarterback, not giving help at tight end, especially in the blocking game, which is not what you're going to get from Jimmy Graham, uh, it's going to be a really tough balance uh, to – for Chicago to to put out there, there's not a lot of help there. Like Stafford has in Detroit, he has a ton of help. He has the first-round tight end. He's got the second-round running back. He's got the star receivers. He has the star left tackle, star good, really good right tackle. Uh, Stafford has help. If Trubisky had that kind of help, we'd be looking at another 12-4 and four Chicago Bear team because when you look at that defense – that defense has not changed since 2018. They are still the same defense. They really only lost a few guys, and that's Leonard Floyd, outside linebacker, Bryce Callahan at corner, Prince of Mukamara, who is already getting old at corner, and then you lost Adrian Amos, who is a good safety, who went to the Green Bay Packers. But you returned a ton of talent from that year. What they don't have this year is no stackle Eddie Goldman. He's opting out because of covid but with without eddie goldman their defensive line is still loaded with talent not to mention more help on the edge for chicago with robert quinn now robert quinn has been a defensive end outside linebacker hybrid three four uh really three four beast for the la rams for many years until he went to dallas last year and robert quinn is 30 years old and the Bears just signed him to a five-year, $70 million contract. And to give a 30-year-old guy that much a year, that many years and that much money is a testament to how well he's aged. Uh, I was a bit taken aback from seeing that contract until I saw the production of him last year. Robert Quinn was awfully productive a year ago with Dallas on a defense where everybody was very productive. He had his second best season in tackles for loss. He had 13. Second best season for quarterback hits at 22. And then the second best season of his career 
in sacks at 10 and a half. His best sack season was 19 and a half seven years ago with the Rams. But 10 and a half is still solid, especially when you have Khalil Mack on the other side. This is a team that knows what it wants to do, and that's get to the quarterback. And it, with Kyle Fuller still back there at corner, Eddie Jackson still back there, and an awfully athletic linebacking core of Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, two of the fastest inside linebackers in the NFL, this defense is scary. This is a scary defense, maybe more scary than they were in 2018. But that offense, that offense is hard to watch. And if they don't give that defense help, it's just going to be another year of wasted talent and a regret from the Bears GM that they ever traded for Khalil Mack because they really did give up a mortgage for him in in that trade. Other news, I mean, out of Chicago, I, I referred to it a little bit before. Foles not beating Trubisky. Do I think that's going to change throughout the year? Depends on how Trubisky plays. Foles really hasn't showed that he can play on a team besides the Philadelphia Eagles. So I don't know if his talent will correlate or translate well to the Chicago offense. Um, but other really, one other note I have for Chicago is about Khalil Mack, the guy I was talking about before. Uh, he did have a down year last year. Is that going to be an issue? Um, this year, I don't think so. He's 27 years old. He had eight and a half sacks last year, uh, which was the lowest since his rookie season. I'm not worried about Khalil Mack this year. There are guys older. I should take back what I said. He's not 27. He's 29. But there are guys who are 29 and older who had amazing years at the edge rush. Jared Allen in 2011 was 29 when he got 22 sacks. Robert Mathis was 32 in 2013 when he had 19 and a half sacks. And Everson Griffin was 30 years old on the Vikings in 2017 when he had 13 sacks. Khalil Mack is 29, but he still looks like he's in great shape. He hasn't really battled any serious injuries throughout his career. I expect Khalil Mack to definitely return to form, especially with the addition of Robert Quinn on the other side. It's going to make passing uh, the rusher a lot easier for him uh, with the the pocket collapsing even quicker now. All right. So that will bring us now to our projected schedule, uh, projected record for the Chicago bears And that one is slightly better than the Detroit Lions, but not awfully better. I will show you that right now as I pull it up. As I get along to the Bears, here it is. So the Bears right now projected regular season. You're going to run into some trouble midway through the year. You have the Saints, Bucks, Colts. Those are all teams that improved so much. I do see them sneaking a win versus Tennessee. I think they match up well defending the run, and I think they'll turn over Ryan Tannehill a fair amount in that game. I do also think they'll sneak a win against the Texans. I think their pass rush versus Deshaun Watson, lack of receiving core, I think the Texans won't have a match for that defense in that game. But ultimately, I think this team is really destined for a 9-7 and season as long as Trubisky uh, plays like he's showed us throughout his career. He is a 500 quarterback, or if you want to make a baseball reference, he's a 500 pitcher. Uh, He's somebody that won't put the team on his back to win a game, but I do think that he is capable to manage a team to the, um, to the wild card. Um, I don't in, Vision that team making it to the wild card this year, the Chicago Bears. Two years ago in 2018, the NFC North looked awfully different. The Minnesota Vikings didn't make the playoffs that year. They had first-year quarterback Kirk Cousins. Their team was not did not have the luxury of Dalvin Cook. He had been hurt for that year. And the Green Bay Packers were undergoing serious crisis in that year with head coach Mike McCarthy getting fired halfway through the year. So with the improvements of the Vikings and Packers, it's only going to make the Bears 
uh, the Bears' path even harder. So I don't expect the Bears to make the postseason this year. But don't be surprised if they get nine or even ten wins. Now let's move on. We're getting almost there. We're now at the Vikings. Uh, in ten minutes, I'll be bringing on Kevin O'Brien to talk about the Packers-Vikings matchup. But before we get there, I want to give you my preview of Minnesota this year. I didn't really even drop any notes for this. This is mostly just off the top of my head. Minnesota is a much better team this year, in my opinion. And they did this through signing, uh, tra- trading for Yannick Ngakwe just a couple weeks ago. And they're, they improved incredibly through the draft. The Vikings had the most draft picks out of any team. Now with COVID, that makes things challenging with getting these players acclimated, hitting, getting uh, just seeing each other as much. They didn't get to start the, the preseason and start training camp till much later than usual, not getting a chance to put on pads and play an opponent until week one, uh, especially with a team that drafted guys like Ezra Cleveland, uh, who's, who they want to be starting on that offensive line very soon. Um, very, very soon. And they have corners like Jeff Gladney, who's a guy who loves press coverage, loves contact. He's not going to be able to see another player on an opposing team for another, um, until week one. And then there's some real question marks at depth at that position at corner. So now, now that Trey Waynes, Xavier Rhodes and Mackenzie Alexander all left this past season, what will Minnesota do defensively to stop other quarterbacks from torching them? Uh, it's a team that I will brag about all the time, but when you mention their secondary, I have no words to defend them. I haven't seen Holton Hill play an extended amount of time. I haven't seen Mike Hughes play healthy for an entire season. And I don't know if Jeff Gladney is going to be a top caliber cornerback come week one. It's a lot of question marks. And this is a team that is going to be playing a lot of good quarterbacks this year. They're going to be playing Tom Brady. They're going to be playing Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, um, Teddy Bridgewater even, who's a very good quarterback. And I'm really nervous to see how they do. And I should add, they're playing Drew Brees from the Saints. So this is a team that's playing a ton of talent at uh, quarterback. And the only way they can... Uh, they could contain these offensive talents uh, is going to be through their pass rush, through stopping the run and through excessive force. And it's not going to come easily. They're going to have to work really hard to make up for their deficient cornerback uh, duo of whoever it's going to be week one, Holton Hill and Mike Hughes, Jeff Gladney and Holton Hill. I think Mike Hughes is going to be starting at nickel corner where he's better suited being a small guy, really fast, but he tore his ACL a couple years ago and he's really never returned to form. But that's what I'm really concerned about. And that's what I will concede to anybody is that their secondary, especially their corners are looking rough, but that's not to mention, you know, they do have Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris back there, uh, manning the deep routes. So you have ball Hawks, Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith is excellent in run support. Eric Kendricks at inside linebacker, excellent in run support. Anthony Barr, he was amazing five years ago, but he's not an excellent football player anymore. He's dropped off in every facet of the game. He used to be an excellent pass rusher in the blitz. He's not that guy anymore. He used to be amazing in run support. He's really not that guy anymore. And in coverage, he's really never been good. The guy played running back in college at UCLA. He's just an athlete but he's not an athlete that's going to be great in pass coverage. Eric Hendricks was rated one of the best pass covering linebackers last year, which helps Minnesota a lot, but they really do not have a ton of help in pass coverage. Uh, there's another outside linebacker, Eric Wilson, who has not started a full season. He, him and Ben Gideon really manned that other outside linebacker spot last year, aside from Barr, And neither of them found a lot of success in coverage. Uh, they're just run-stopping linebackers. And this team is not like the Bears, where they have great run-stoppers and great pass uh, coverers who can do both. They have a very hybrid-like defense. Minnesota, 
is kind of old school uh, in a lot of ways. Daniil Hunter, he's just a, a nose down pass rusher. Yannick Ngakwe is, an, uh, is again, another nose down, get to the quarterback type guy. They force fumbles, they get sacks, but they're not going to do much outside of that. And as for Minnesota, stopping the passes is going to be the question that I ask every time, but stopping the run in between the tackles without Linval Joseph is going to be another concern for me. Uh, We're looking now at no Michael Pierce because of a COVID opt-out who is signed to a big three-year, $27 million contract this offseason, ranked a top five nose guard in the NFL. And now you have Jaleel Johnson and Shamar Steven manning the interior defensive line. It's not a very experienced interior defensive line. They haven't started a full season in their entire careers. They're all Vikings draft picks, but they haven't been playing. Um, they've been playing behind players their entire career. Afedi Odenibo is a guy who was going to be their defensive end this year before they got Ngakwe. They expect him to move to the interior now and give them some more help in the inside because he is an experienced guy who started about seven games in his career. But again, this is a team with just a handful of guys who have starts uh, on the defensive end. So it's going to take a few weeks for them to get to top form. Uh, That's why I think in the beginning of the year, it's really important for them to get the most out of Ngakwe and Hunter. Uh, as they can moving to their offense Minnesota did digress a little on the offensive end I will admit um in 2019 Stefan Diggs stayed healthy he had an awesome year over a thousand yards receiving Adam Thielen didn't stay healthy he was on pace to have an a thousand yard season but he fell down uh, against the Giants in week five or six I want to say and missed about seven games to eight games uh, it's an offense that is slightly improved in some areas. They uh, have they drafted Ezra Cleveland at offensive line. He's expected to play some guard this year. He was drafted as a tackle, but getting Riley Reef back, they expect him to play some left guard this year as Pat Elfline moves from the left side to the right side. Expect Garrett Bradbury, their third-year center. He's going to get better. They're going to run the ball a little better up the middle. And then Brian O'Neill on the right side at right tackle. He's been their best offensive lineman for two years now. Dalvin Cook has thrived off of tosses to the right side of the line of scrimmage. And it's all because of Brian O'Neill and his six foot six frame getting out there and leading the way. Fullback CJ Ham is coming back. He was a pro bowler a year ago. I don't like his Madden rating of 73 overall. I don't know if they mistakenly had him as a running back, but he's a fullback and he's one of the best in the game. And he's been paving holes for Dalvin Cook for a couple years now, too. Alexander Madison backing up Dalvin Cook. Great fantasy player if you want a guy on a team. If you're, if you're hoping for a guy to get hurt, I would never hope for Dalvin Cook to get hurt. But I do think Alexander Madison is going to step up huge if Dalvin has to miss any time. And then you have the two tight ends, Rudolph and Irv Smith Jr., who are excellent tight ends. I would say the Vikings have the best tight end core in the NFC North. Um, if you look at the Bears and the Lions, they don't have another guy outside of their two, out of their main guy. The Vikings have Irv Smith Jr., who is going to be utilized a lot more this year. Um, he caught 36 passes last year, along with Rudolph, who caught 39. So that's almost 80 overall catches um, from tight ends last year in an offense that throws the ball extremely accurately. Kirk Cousins is second all time in accuracy. So uh, expect them to get a lot of catches. And Justin Jefferson, of course, can't overlook the production he'll have this year. He's going to be huge at that slot. But this offense isn't going to be as explosive as last year uh, without Diggs. And their defense is going to have some serious question marks. Um, I have their projected record. I'll just tell you right now, it's 10-6. and six. I want to get my guest Kevin O'Brien on right now. Uh, but 10-6 and six for Minnesota. And I'll show at the end, I'll show you their uh, projected record along with the Packers as we discuss their week one matchup right now. Kevin O'Brien joining the show right now. I'm going to be bringing him on to discuss the Packers and Vikings. All right. 
There it is. Kevin, can you hear me? Hang on one second. I think you're muted, Kevin. And he's gone. We'll be waiting for him to come back in a moment. Just preview. Kevin is – there he is. Let me bring him at, onto the stream. There we go. Nice, Kevin. How's it going today, Mr. O'Brien? I'm feeling well. I'm ready to talk some football. How about you, Gabe? Uh, I'm excited. Uh, yeah. So I see you got the, the cheese hat on. <laughs> so how <laughs> – how many years have you been a Packers fan? Uh, 22 years to the date, actually. Nice, nice. So Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur offense. This is a team that through the draft, what do you? What were your thoughts after draft day? I just want to get a timeline here. Since last season, since what happened, they had an awesome, awesome year. Totally blew everybody's expectations. But then the draft came along and it felt – like they went backwards. Um, how has this offseason been for Green Bay? I'm going to be honest with you, Gabe. The draft came and went, and I was I was confused. I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know what their game plan was, but, hey, it is what it is. First-round draft pick Jordan Love, yeah, what, that's the future. Sure, I guess we're going to look towards that. In the, It's whatever. Second-round pick, A.J. Dillon, running back after Aaron Jones had a phenomenal year scoring 20-plus touchdowns. They know more than I do, so, hey, thanks, Robbie. (laughs) They know more than I do, so, hey, man, I I don't get paid to make the decisions, but it is what it is, and we're looking forward to the uh, 2020 season. Yeah. Yeah, and they – I brought up Adrian Amos before the Bears lost him to the Packers. Uh, how is that secondary looking this year? Because they have a ton of talent there, and I tried to queue up a video of all of their interceptions from last year. Couldn't get it uh, to work through screen recording, but they were all over the place, and they are awesome at guarding man-to-man. So what's, do, do you think they're going to have a ton of success against these high-powered quarterbacks this year along with their really, really good pass rush? I'll tell you what, Gabe. If there's one thing I'm excited about, it's this Green Bay Packers secondary. Man, oh, man. Kevin King, Jair Alexander on the outsides. That's a top, that's a top five cornerback duo, if I, if I do say so myself. Back end, you got Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage covering the field. That's that's a recipe for success. Not to mention, probably the best pass rush duo in the NFL was Darius Smith and Preston Smith. We'll get to them more on the uh, later in the show. But yeah, I'm very high on the Green Bay's secondary. Yeah, the secondary they've drafted so well for many years now. Um, they had Collins years ago. They've they, uh, Tremont Williams. Who I don't is Tremont Williams still on that defense or is he finally too old? No, they let him go in free agency. I believe he's still a free agent, but they uh, never resigned him. He even he had some good interceptions last year. I don't think he lost his step at all. Um, Me but, either. Watching the games last year, I thought he was a good third third uh, third corner in the in the mix. But uh, I guess age just caught up to him, and the Packers didn't want to take another chance with him. Yeah, and linebacker losing Blake Martinez. One of the you bragged all the time how he had the most tackles last year. Uh, I don't, I didn't see him as that big of a loss. I thought the Christian Kirksey signing definitely offset that loss. What kind of differences will you see between Kirksey and Martinez? Blake Martinez, he was a great, outstanding linebacker for a fifth round draft pick. Through uh, many years, he 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 was top five, top two in the NFL with tackles. But uh, letting him go in free agency and signing Christian Kirksley, I think, was the the right step in the right direction. This is the guy who could just cover the field, big, strong. His the Browns let him go mainly because he was injured. He only played two games in the 2019 season. They're not going to pay a guy that only played two games with lack of accountability, I guess. But uh, I'm really uh, really excited to see this guy ball out this year. See what he could do for the Green Bay Packers. And what kind of strategy, you know, you have a team that runs a three, four, Kenny Clark in the middle, 
and then the two guys on the outside, the Stacksmiths, what kind of strategy do they go into each game with guarding going up against these star quarterbacks? Are they rushing five guys or are they just rushing three and letting those guys get to the quarterback? Well, stopping the run starts with Kenny Clark, obviously, but passing wise, obviously I could talk a bit here about Zadari Smith and Preston Smith, but there's one guy I really want to talk about and that's Rashawn Gary last year's first round draft pick. He didn't make much of a noise in the 2019 season, only having two sacks, but uh, this past training camp, the hype is real with, with uh, Rashawn Gary. He's winning his one-on-one battles and, uh, Defensive coordinator Mike Patton, he's he's gonna figure out a way to put Zadarius Preston and Rashawn Gary all on this uh, all on the field at the same time. So it's gonna be really interesting to watch. I'm really excited to see them attack the quarterback this year. And a lot of money lined up on this defense in 2022. I think they're set to have the highest paid defense in the NFL with all these long term contracts with all these big stars on their D line and their front seven, which is arguably the best front seven right now in football. How are you going to pay Jair Alexander, Kevin King, and anybody else who needs money coming up shortly uh, in a couple of years? I'll leave that one up to the front office, Gabe. I'm not a, I'm not a money manager, but uh, it's going to be tough. I'll tell you that we got to, got to really appreciate this year because after this year, I feel like, I'm going to be seeing a lot of these guys go off in free agency just because there's not enough money to go around. A lot of teams face that issue. It's so hard to create a dynasty these days because every year it's almost, it's almost like having a farm and like when it's, when a farm, when the fruits are ripe and you can pluck them and then right after it's just goes downhill. Um, Where do you think the Packers are going to, uh, fall in the NFC North and in the NFC. What what kind of record are you projecting them? I'll show you my projections in a second. Yeah, I really don't want to see your projections, Gabe. But uh, my projections, hey, last year, new head coach, no one knew what to expect. All the all the critics are saying, eh, probably seven nine eight and eight team. What do they do? Six and zero in the NFC North. Okay, that's that's a step in the right direction. So this year, why why should I think any different? None of the NFC North teams have gotten better in my in my opinion. So yeah, I'm I'm going with a six and zero in the NFC North, and probably uh, we're looking at a twelve and four, thirteen and three team again this year. Six and zero in the division. I actually I, I have the I'll show you right now on my screen uh, my um, projections. I definitely definitely do not see a six and zero. Um, division record but i definitely could see them surprising some people uh in uh the other games here we go green bay packers projected regular season so i have them getting uh a loss i have them going six and oh or no not six and oh five and seven one through the first six weeks i think that's yeah that's reasonable um getting a loss to the the saints i think it's just a uh, matter of who they lose to in that first six weeks. There's so many teams that can give them a loss. Uh, and then I have them beating the Texans. I don't think the Texans are going to be that strong this year. And the Texans are not going to be able to get any sort of run game going against the uh, the Packers in that game. Deshaun Watson's going to struggle for sure. But then you have that little uh, span, though, with Minnesota, San Francisco, an easy one versus Jacksonville, and then a tough game against the Colts in Indianapolis. Uh, that's a tough four-game span right there. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And you mentioned earlier about how all the NFC North teams are playing the NFC South. I believe the NFC South is going to be one of the tougher decisions in football this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how each team in the North obviously plays against the, the NFC South. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I obviously, obviously the Saints are a top-tier team. We all know that. So it's going to be interesting to see how each team matches up with them. Falcons too. The Val- the Falcons are rejuvenated. They just got Todd Gurley in free agency. I mean, they're a team to not mess around with, honestly. And we all know the Buccaneers. I'm not too high on the Buccaneers. I'm I'm not a big Tom Brady guy. I don't believe the hype. Obviously, he's the best to ever play. But that, he's a he's a 
position play, whatever. But yeah. And I think the Titans are another team that I think um, a lot of the teams in our division, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we play all the teams in the AFC South too. Uh, in the all the NFC North plays the entire NFC AFC South, and that division got stronger too. So the Titans improved a little bit, not a ton. Um, and then the Indianapolis Colts are really one of the most improved teams in the NFL right now. I expect the Colts to give a couple of the North teams some trouble, and the Texans digressed a bit. And then Jacksonville, I think, will be uh, the only reason uh, the Lions don't go zero and sixteen. I'm not. I'm not too fond about the Colts, Gabe. Honestly, really? I don't Tell think Colt Rivers that. has it in him this year. Okay. All it's right. going to be interesting. Um, I actually don't think the Colts are going to fare that well versus Green Bay or or the Vikings. I don't think they have the um, the offensive firepower to compete with those teams. A projected record ten and six. I saw a lot of teams' uh, projected records, um, a lot of projections for the North, and none of them really had the Packers or the Vikings doing better than ten and six. Some had the Packers not even making the playoffs. Some had the Vikings not even making the playoffs. Um, I didn't really understand a lot of these project uh, projections. Some people thought the Vikings uh, got that much worse that they wouldn't make the playoffs, and I just don't see it. But I don't know if these were made because of the NFC South being on our schedule. We're putting a lot of stock right now into that talent of the NFC South. Um, it's a scary division, and I'm sure they are going to be the pro- the reason why uh, Green Bay and Minnesota don't get one and two seeds this year. Uh, Packers were a two seed last year behind San Francisco, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah, so 49ers, Seahawks, and the Saints are all gunning for those one and two spots. It's a stacked NFC right the now. The NFC is unbelievable this year. I'm excited to see how it's going to play out. It's a lot of players from the NFC right now got t- taken away from players in the AFC. Leonard Fournette, there's way more I can't really think of right now, but it's just a division where everything shifted. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins went to the NFC from the AFC. Um, Tom Brady. Right, Tom Brady. Can't forget him. Uh, So that's really going to make the difference. Why I think the NFC is going to win a Super Bowl this year. I just think they're going to be primed better for the end of the year. We have a comment from Matt Masterson. I'm betting that the Packers win the NFC North. Uh, I, I don't know this guy, but he looks like he knows what he's talking about. That's a guy I take. I bet my money on right there. System QB. That's the word I was looking for, Robert Murphy. Thank you. Just like Brett Favre. Now, yeah, Brett, Brett Favre, Favre was a slinger. He would just chuck it up. Uh, you, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call Brett Favre a system quarterback. If Brett Favre's a system quarterback, then Matt Stafford's a system quarterback. Because they played, at least in Minnesota, they played for the same offensive coordinator. And I guess, I mean, it's an offensive coordinator that calls a lot of passes. Matt Stafford, you could argue, is probably a system quarterback, too. Um, it's an offense that sets him up for success. I was talking about it earlier on my show. I don't know if you were listening, but the Lions are a team that just completely builds their team around the engine of Matt Stafford. And I think it's the reason why they haven't been a successful team is because they've ignored all the flaws on their defense so they can make Matt Stafford happy on offense. And it hasn't really worked well for them as a team. They've been the punching bag of that of this division for the last 20 years now. Not only that, but Matt Stafford hasn't been able to play a full 16-game season in I don't know how long. They're giving him all that money, and the Lions are never really a playoff contender to what I'm concerned with. So I'm I'm befuddled as you are, Gabe. What do you think of the Bears, too? Uh, Bears are frauds. (laughs) Do you think they didn't get better that much on offense, and their running backs right now are a big question mark. Uh, Tariq Cohen – he, the guy's awesome in a very, very specific role. But when that role gets changed to what it is now, what is Tariq Cohen going to do when he sees Kenny Clark lined up seven yards away from him over the center? Tariq Cohen, man, he's he's lightning in a bottle. That's all I could say. He's, he's one of the quickest running backs in the NFL. 
But the thing is, you got to get him in space and get him the ball in space to be able to make that quickness. I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of Tariq Cohen or the Bears offense at this point. I will say this. Right meow. I would much rather play Mitch Trubisky than Nick Foles, okay? I'm not a big not a big Nick Foles guy, but watching Mitch Trubisky play last year was real tough. I mean, not for me as a Packers fan. I loved watching him play. He was uh he didn't perform that well. But yeah, I'd much rather see Mitch Trubisky play against the Packers defense than Nick Foles this year. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, Foles can air it out way more. Uh, Trubisky, he, he, I, I've never been concerned with Trubisky. And now the Bears are really – I'm probably more scared right now to play the Lions than the Bears. I don't know about you, but when I see who I, I have at Minnesota's corners, uh, I don't want to go up against Kenny Galladay. I don't want to see Marvin Jones or TJ Hawkinson or Matt Stafford or even with a healthy Matt Stafford. Yes. I do not want to play them. Not at all. Not at all. That's it. Last year, the, the Lions gave the Packers a great run in that first five weeks of the season. I don't know if the, I, I believe they lost to the Packers in a, in a one point game, 23 to 24, but they also put up 30 point, 30 points against the chiefs in a game they had in the bag. until Pat Mahomes brought them back. That was a dangerous, underrated team last year until Stafford got hurt. And then David Blau um, just completely brought the team to the ground in the last eight weeks of the year. But it really is an interesting division. Um, I'm just looking at the comments now. Matt Stafford is 32, and I believe he's set to make um, twenty over $20 million in each of the next five years. So he's going to be rich in a few years. Allen Robinson, top 20 receiver if he can stay healthy. Um, I agree. I, I would argue Allen Robinson's top 10 just because the production that he's had when he's healthy and the lack of quarterbacking, I think. Yeah, I think who's throwing him the ball. I mean, that's a huge factor into his production. And if he's being that productive with Mitch Trubisky throwing him the ball, he's a, I'd say he's top 10 as well. Yeah, it's definitely he, – he sets himself apart from all the other receivers on that list. Fantasy-wise, I love Allen Robinson this year. I got him on a couple of my teams. Um, Robert Murphy really uh, not interested in talking about the NFC North right now. This guy's um, going to be blocked. Yeah, uh, Cole Komet. I was actually going to mention Cole Komet before. He's really that only guy that has come out of the Bears uh, draft over the last couple of years because – of uh, just the absolute gutting of their roster because of the Khalil Mack trade. Uh, Cole Komet, why didn't, the, why didn't the Packers go for a tight end like a Cole Komet, who uh, is a great target? That's a good question, Gabe. And honestly, I think the Packers front office likes who they have now. They have two guys by the name of Jay Sternberger, who was a rookie last year, and Robert Tanyan Jr. Robert Tanyan Jr. is a guy who's high on their list. He, uh, I've saw tweets a few weeks ago that he was working out with George Kittle in the off season. So, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit of uh, George Kittle could rub off on Robert Tanyan and maybe they'd have a, uh, a pretty good tight end this year. This Robert Tanyan is a guy who could do it all block and catch while Jay Sternberger on the other hand is more of a Travis Kelsey type tight end where you're just going to line him up outside, not really have him in the box blocking for your running backs. I, in my opinion, the Packers have been really bad at that position for a long time. Since Bubba Franks, that's a name I grew up watching, was Bubba Franks. Um, and they, they've gone through so many washed-up tight ends. Same with the Bears. The Bears haven't had a good tight end since Martellus Bennett. It's, it's, it's a, vision, a division that really has struggled at tight end for a long time. Um, Kyle Rudolph has been one of the best tight ends in the division for years now, but even he doesn't even rack up. He doesn't even stack up against any other top tight end in the league. Um, It's just teams that don't really need tight ends to be successful. Uh, Speaking of George Kittle, I just want to let everybody know before we uh, end the show in about a minute, George Kittle was Kevin's number two draft pick in uh, this year's draft. Number one, get it right. You drafted him in the first round. Yes. All right. Just want, I should have prefaced this entire show with that. So then, it's a tight end heavy fantasy league. 
I believe you have Zach Ertz on that team too. That's quite a team. Yeah, wouldn't be wrong. He's the flex. He's the flex. All right. All right. Well, that'll, uh, we'll end on that note. Just the fact that you have two top tight ends on your team and I don't know who's getting thrown the ball at receiver, but, uh, all right, Kevin, it was, it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, and I look forward to week one, uh, playing in Minnesota with no fans, not a single cheesehead will be in that stadium, And that makes me happy. Gabe. Thanks for having me on the show, man. I'll be excited to uh, talk football with you after week one if the Packers win. If the Packers lose, I might not be around. I might be busy. All right. Sounds good, Kevin. All right. Peace. Peace out. So that will do it for the North Pole, the first edition of the North Pole. Uh, I hope we can get some more guests on in the future from Lions, Bears, and Packers uh, fans, and maybe some reporters as well. Try to get the inside scoop on all of the teams in this division. Uh, I really enjoyed this first episode. I really hope to get better in the future. I uh, can't gather all the information about these teams' history uh, in a week. So as the year goes on, I'll have much more content to, uh, to talk about and break down for you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I uh, look forward to seeing you next week at the same time. Have a good night.